Welcome to another episode of Loving Angels Instead. My name is Mel. And my name is Maya. Our guest today is Dr. Ramin Kress, the Chief Digital Officer at Henkel. And our topic today will be the typical tech buzzwords and what angels need to know about them. Ramin, thank you very much for joining us. Hi there. Very nice to be with you. Hi, Ramin. Before starting at Henkel, you were the managing director of Accenture, where one of your responsibilities was to develop VC and startup relationships. You have also been part of an initiative by the World Economic Forum dealing with shaping the future of the digital economy and society. And you kicked off a company called Henkel X. Why don't we start off with that? Um, tell us more about Henkel X. What does Henkel X do? Sure. Um, may, may, maybe uh, for the purpose of clarity, Henkel X is not its own company. Henkel X is uh, effectively a platform that Mario Swart, who is my co-founder, and I founded out of Henkel effectively in February last year. In a nutshell, what is Henkel X? It... Um, It has the interest, obviously, of Henkel at heart when it comes to driving Henkel's entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but equally, you can only do that if you build an ecosystem by which everyone that is part of the ecosystem has equal opportunities. And so Henkel X represents a platform that is made up of three components, um, the ingredients, if you will, to success. It is based on ecosystem, on experience and experimentation. And if we start with the ecosystem, the ecosystem is paramount. Uh, our ambition was uh, when we started initially to have 50 mentors. We call them Henkel X mentors. Uh, and we wanted to have individuals that have experience coming out of venture capital that are entrepreneurs themselves, as in they have founded companies, they have pivoted them, they have had IPOs. But we also wanted to have Fortune 100 C-suite uh, representative uh, within that network. Today, somewhere around 16 months after our launch, we are 200 mentors coming exactly out of this walk of life. On the other side, when we're talking experimentation and experience, we have built a number of different programs and we were lucky as a result of our overall value proposition of the vision that Henkel X has uh, to attract a lot of industry partners and industry peers. And the idea really is that we want to collaborate, we want to innovate together. Henkel X is an open collaboration innovation platform uh, by which we really try to build an ecosystem and a network that delivers unfair advantage to all of those that believe we within corporate Europe and beyond, together with entrepreneurs, have a fair opportunity to really pivot corporate companies to the new. So, Ramin, basically, you have found the solution to the biggest problem that people have been seeing out there, which is corporate innovation <laughs> and corporate entrepreneurship. I can also see that essentially entrepreneurship is not only in your DNA, but is running throughout your actually day-to-day -day business and actually being able to bring startups in a fast way to create MVPs. So um, let's talk about why 
we actually wanted to talk to you in this in this podcast about is tell us a little bit about your business angels activities. Is this connected to your work at Henkel X or is that completely separate? Since we have started Henkel X and launched in February, I have not taken any additional angel investments because I don't want my personal interest to stand in the way or cloud judgment on what happens on the platform and uh, so over the last last 18 months or so i haven't made any angel investments i have founded some other activities alongside it which are non-for-profit uh, and have built a lot of partnerships there and i'm offering the platform to entrepreneurs but there's no money or any personal gain for me i have done a lot of investments in the past as an angel investor. Um, I started uh, my, my career, if you will, in the music and entertainment industry. And so from a very early stage, I have backed uh, uh, singers. I have backed technology entrepreneurs in at the time of the music industry. I would say in the 2000s, more than in the mid 90s, uh, because we all had uh, a lot of misunderstanding on the opportunities in the music industry or entertainment as a whole, the opportunities that the internet would bring. Having said that, most of the investments uh, that I have made, and that is something that I have learned really on a personal basis, is investing in the founders and in the founding team, whilst obviously the business model, the technology, etc., needs to be of value. It is largely been always on believing in the founders themselves. So when you say you invest into the founding team, and I could not agree anymore, especially us as a pre-seed investor, we take the same approach. What are the, the criteria? What are the things that you're looking at? What are the things that you care about when you're assessing whether you should do that investment? Or let's say, how did you go about it in the past when you were still active as a business angel? I think there is, there is a very personal, as an investor, there's a very personal methodology that you follow. I can tell you what mine is, but you know, everyone may have a slight different caveat. For me, very important, the team. Where does the team come? Do they have uh, complementary skills? Are they ambitious enough to succeed? Uh, those would all be ingredients. And really, you know, how does the team work and collaborate with one another in as far as equals are concerned, particularly within a founding team? Number two is about what is the problem they're looking to solve? And within that question, how do they go about it? Do I believe that their approach on the technology, for example, or on what it is that they're creating is unique? And uh, is it a scalable solution in the marketplace? There's a lot of people who you know, could be amazing founders, but what are the problems they're looking to solve, sometimes I don't particularly believe in, or I think that they will be superseded in a shorter space of time by uh, market changes and market events. And in this particular case, it is not just a matter that I then go, oh no, I don't invest. I always try and offer my thoughts, my views, and it has happened that the founding team came back to me and said, look, we have taken that on board. We have changed our approach. Can we have another discussion? And I find that incredibly valuable. It's, as I always say, you know, I don't hold the key to all answers. I have seen a lot 
and I have a view. And, you know, I have been proven wrong many times, but I think when you work with founders who take your thoughts on board, that is a really, really good ingredient for me to say, yes, I am willing to invest because I see my investment not only as a cash injection for, you know, a big check within three or five or 10 years, I see it a little bit of giving back in something that I believe in, in which I can hopefully help as an investor, not just with the cash, but actually through my network and through the things that I know to help that startup, the entrepreneurs, to have a really fair chance to succeed. So, and what kind of industries um, were these startups in? Were these digital startups? Was it more in the area of CPG that what you're currently looking at? Can you tell us a little bit more about the areas? And are these connected to your personal experience in the past or are they quite diverse? I think, <laughs> I think you know, when you look back at what I've done and without giving away my age, but I've done, <laughs> I've done a lot of things. 29, 29. Uh, yeah, I've been in, in entertainment. Entertainment is uh, very close and has always been to retail in one shape or another. Uh, then retail uh, met digital. We talked about platforms and streaming. So, you know, on the basis of the question, you know, has it been close to something you've been involved in? I think I've been involved in too many things. So the answer is yes. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, I have, I have also invested in startups that had adjacent activities by which I could relate to my past experience of what may happen in that particular industry. And that has been very, very successful. So I don't, and, and, and I, it's not by conviction, but I, I always think that if I can't really add value other than, in particular as an angel investor, not at later stages, then I, I often refer startups and entrepreneurs within my circle of friends to those that if they invest and they can help, then they are better kept by some of my friends than myself. Because I think the particularly the early learnings and having, you know, not just an investor, but a very, very serious mentor with all of us having very busy lives is very important. Absolutely. Now that you mentioned mentoring, what are frequent problems that startups approach you for where they seek your help? All different sorts. There are a lot of questions about different stages of a startup's life cycle. So at the very early stages, I think it is about investment, uh, deployment of that capital to maintain focus, you know, whether they're on the right track, whether they should spend more time on this to get it perfect, perfect, or, you know, is this the right time now to approach different Uh, partners with or even do you think this is good enough to launch so that that is one throughout the maturity it is helping with potential recruitment of additional skills that currently don't exist within the startup so that is another component and then undoubtedly route to market i think for all startups uh, there are different tranches there is the one where you do an enormous amount of fundraising at the beginning, but then there are the opportunities equally to what we now uh, provide through Ankle X, which is the next check is interesting, 
but each time you get diluted. If you have the opportunity early on to work with large organization that can support you, that can validate your hypothesis, that can give you data so you have more fuel to run on to prove your hypothesis, you're able to use the branding or logo in association with those attributes are sometimes so much more important than your next check. And that is something that in the past I have helped a lot with. And today, obviously, through Henkelex, I provide that as part of what we do within the Henkelex ecosystem. Other people's insights. So, you know, if a startup is working in a particular domain, talking to others who have been there, talking to companies who may be adjacent to the business the startup I would represent is looking to build a technology or solving problems for. That is something which I have found incredibly valuable to talk to others who may be just a little bit further in the maturity curve and talking on peer level to one another. Those are the sort of typical things that I get involved with, as well as, you know, testing the product and uh, giving, giving a point of view of what I think as to where it is that they stand or where they could improve with what they're doing. You mentioned that you refrained from doing any business angel investments over the past 18 months because you didn't want to cloud cloud your judgment um, or have any conflict of interest. But when we think about the time before, I assume you were also working full time. So how much time per week did you actually invest into mentoring these startups? Um, how intense was the relationship? I mean, the mentoring I still do today, even though that I'm uh, not proactively investing and, you know, not in particular to startups that are coming through the Anchor platform. But the mentoring is something that I think is incredibly important. You know, when, when you're in a role where you're building an ecosystem and it does get very tiring, but I always believe don't ever make a promise that you can't keep. And I think when you offer startups that are coming through your doors that you're willing to lend them your ear, then you can't later on uh, take that away. And so between Marius and I and our network, until now we have relentlessly tried to lend that piece of advice. That doesn't mean that obviously we can do it nonstop, but for one startup, you know, When they come up and they have a question, we'll give them an answer. We will carry on giving them answers. If then your answers become continuously challenged or not taken on board and, you know, a bit further line, they come back and saying, okay, so, you know, we didn't do what you suggested. That is totally fine. We then called you back and you gave us some advice and we didn't follow that either. And now we have a big problem. We are still willing to have another discussion. But if then nothing is being received of that mentoring or advising, then eventually also you have to take your hands up and say there's others who really value that opinion. And then you give it to them. On average, on average, I would say, you know, per month, I think on average, there's about 10, 15 that are going through different stages that I lend advice to as well as Mario's, but we do it in a very flexible way. It could be a WhatsApp. We at this particular stage, my question is, and that WhatsApp could be met with, let me introduce you to George and George is working in that domain. And then we don't hear from them for six weeks and they go, that has been one of the best introductions ever because This is where we are. Can we show it to you? Absolutely. It could be to the extent that if we're in a particular market and we 
having meetings that we add an hour or two in which on 15-minute slots we see some of the companies that we have started working with at an early stage. So there is no sort of cookie-cutter approach to any of that. It is, I always believe, the more you put in, the more you get out, and that is also fair for the startups. So in another way of putting it, just as much as I detest when large corporate companies bring in startups to suck them dry for their knowledge and entrepreneurship and spit them out, I also think that entrepreneurs, no matter at which stage they're at, they need to be respectful for their peer group in as far as don't waste those opportunities. If you get an opportunity to speak to someone, prepare yourself. It is, I think it's of equal mutual respect. And so, you know, be clear of what the questions are that you want to ask and and what it is that you're asking just for a conversation, you know, shooting the breeze that is that is not valuable to anyone. And I think, you know, I think it goes space ways. So for the entrepreneurs, the respect of those that are lending time, as well as for corporate companies, Uh, being mindful of the fact that entrepreneurs are under a tremendous amount of pressure and we should treat them with equal respect as we would do any other technology or brand or anyone else. Now let's let's put ourselves into the position of an angel who is just listening to his first pitches from startups. What happens nowadays a lot of times is that startups throw around with buzzwords, typical buzzwords like blockchain and AI and in the future we're planning this and that technology and machine learning it's sometimes hard to understand what term actually means what so maybe we can try to define and give some examples to what actually these terms mean because many people confuse them i agree (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of them and a lot of them are meaningless i mean you know under one word of an umbrella uh, you know people are building you know sort of these uh, methodologies and and They actually don't mean a lot. I actually think there's an enormous amount of money being spent in the industry under the header of, perfect example, Industry 4.0. But you always need to ask your question at the end of the day, uh, you know, what does it do? What's the benefit? And is that the best technical solution to solve a problem? Where does that fit within the packing order of my priorities? So I'm not going to be able to dissect every single acronym that is out there, number one, because I think acronyms are useless, and number two, they change over time so many times, meaning different things. But what I am willing to do is to give you a link for all of those that are listening to the podcast, because we have actually gone through the motion of providing a, a digital glossary of what we believe those terms mean. And so uh, I'm very happy to share that online uh, on the HankVelX platform that people can tap in and look at it. And we have, you know, dissected the terminology within AI and VR and blockchain and artificial, you name it, we've done it. And I think it is important only on the basis that when you speak to people, you need to have a common denominator of a language, particularly for large corporate companies engaging and interacting with a group of people that are so familiar with the terminology and, you know, people throw around with it. I think when to the point of what you asked, which is how do you deal with it as an angel investor? I think if you are willing to support an organization or a startup and invest your money, 
I think there's nothing wrong at all with asking the question without being embarrassed. Can you put this for me in very plain language? Okay, so what is it that you're looking to solve? Okay, I get it. Now you have some technology that claims it can do it. Explain it to me. And I think it is very, very interesting. There is, you know, some of the greatest people that I have worked with in the past and I'm working with now are those that are not embarrassed to ask the question when everybody else in the room doesn't know the answer to either. But they intuitively, want, they're curious enough to find out and they ask the question. I'll tell you really honestly, I don't know every single acronym and I don't know if every acronym I agree with, it stands for what it should stand for. But I am not embarrassed to ask the question and sincerely not if I'm putting my money behind it. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, most of these bu buzzwords, I mean, other people say, let's say, certain tech trends are summarized underneath them. Is there any, let's say, new buzzword or new tech trend that has been evolving, at, let's say, in this or this year, end of last year, and you think will be the next big thing that actually our angel investors should start to read up upon? I mean, for me, and I can tell you uh, very personal, I think that there's a number of things that we see as trends. Now, tech trends match the expectation of the people by and large. And by the people, I don't like the word always using customer, consumer, so, because it's so uh, nominal. But I think really the people, you see that there are trends of change. And that is driven by what it is that we're already accustomed to today. So by means of example, if I can press on my iPhone a button and get a taxi to come and pick me up, I don't need any cash. That is comfort, that is, is uh, you know, uh, uh, lifestyle. And so because of those things, a lot of other things we as customers, we as individuals expect to be coming our way and being the norm. So as a direct result of that, there are changes which are market uh, changes. And therefore, I think marketplaces that offer solutions to the desires of individuals to make their life easier and better is definitely a trend that we should follow. If you think geographically how long it took for some individuals and some markets to give their credit card details away online, you know, particularly when you talk about Germany, it took a very, very long time. All of a sudden, you know, people understand really the value proposition of ease of use and the benefit of discounts versus giving your credit card away and online ordering and shopping has become, you know, something of a norm. And with that in mind, other things are changing. So I think marketplaces we see evolve in all different dimensions, whether that is for food, whether that is for healthcare, whether that is for beauty, beauty products and the like. On the other side, I think we are not yet there, but we will get closer through the regulations of data privacy and the really the responsibility, I think the social responsibility of all corporates onto how to deal with data, that the future of artificial intelligence which is based on an enormous amount of data segments, will hold a lot of value when you unlock that, whether that is in medicine and clinical research, whether that is in customer 
behavior and behaviorism because you can see how data is being tracked, what people like, what people don't like, the differentiation in age groups and geographies that will allow for complete new products uh, to be built, enabled, and launched in the marketplace. So those are, without any doubt, two areas that I think will be here to stay for quite a while. They're not entirely mature yet, but uh, those are areas that we are, I am, Marius, and I think also our organization following with great, great interest. Do you have the feeling that um, when it comes to these terms and in pitches, you just mentioned that sometimes you ask founders to just explain their product very simply and explain the technology. Do you think that sometimes founders try rather to sound like experts than actually being able to understand their product themselves and explain the product, um, respectively uh, the underlying tech trend? By and large, no, at least not those that I have met and maybe I'm lucky. But uh, no, I don't think so. I think when you have good founders in front of you, they will take the time and they will explain it. At the end of the day, the, the terminology, the technology that sits behind it is, in my mind, only always an enabler. So it is about the problem you're solving. It is about the opportunity that you're creating. And that needs to be rock solid. Once you can explain that, and you better be able to explain that, If you can then underpin it with saying, and this is the technology of how I'm going to get there, or these are, you know, this is what I'm doing, then that is great. If you couldn't explain the second part, but you had a very smart CIO, or even, you know, you may have outsourced the technology built to someone else, so be it. The idea, it's enablement, i.e. the technology There are two components, and then it is really the delivery and execution. And I think that goes back to my earlier point. If you believe in the founders and you believe that they can execute and they believe in it with conviction, then that is a good thing and it's probably the most important. Finally, would you share some of maybe like two each, some of the do's and don'ts as an angel investor starting off? I think as an angel investor, I would say invest in things in which you can add value beyond the check that you're giving. I think that is a very important one for me. And, you know, below that comment that you could have bracket open A, <laughs> bracket open B. I think uh, to the don'ts, I think don't, you know, number one, don't ever invest any money uh, in an angel stage if you're not prepared to lose it. Um, I think that's another important one because at such an early stage, no matter how much you're looking to get your bearings right and you have the greatest team and God knows what, it is at such an early stage where it is impossible to look who else is out there, who else do you have on the radar that might already be further afield, but you haven't got uh, noticed. And at that point, you know, the company that you're backing may, may be behind the curve and not have a chance. And if you invest without being prepared to lose, then I think you will walk away with a very negative feeling. You may you know, almost hold a grudge against the founders who are actually trying to do all the right things. And I think that is not healthy for the ecosystem as a whole. I think if you are investing, it would, my recommendation would be 
invest less in one and try and build a little portfolio by which also you learn early on of the experience that you make together with the founders. You can bring that back to the ecosystem throughout your various stages of investments. Right. Ramin, I think that's it for this episode. Lovely. Thank you so much for, for having me. I hope that this is offering a little bit of a perspective. As I said, you know, I'm talking about my views, my thoughts, and my experience. By no means there are other experiences which will be complementary or have slight different uh, viewpoints. And uh, I will definitely uh, make the link available with regards to demystifying all of those acronyms and in the current ecosystem. Yes, perfect. We're going to put that link into the podcast description so that you can click it on Spotify or on Apple directly or on Anchor where we share the podcast. So, Ramin, thank you very much for joining us today. And of course, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in as well. And make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Play or wherever you prefer to catch our next episode. Thank you very much. Thank you.